Welcome to Inside the Squad, a podcast brought to you by the Community Outreach Unit of the Lafayette, Indiana Police Department. Inside the Squad is hosted by Lieutenant Brian Gossard and Sergeant Scott Galloway. From crime statistics to crime prevention and everything in between, this is your inside look at what's happening at the LPD. My name is Scott Galloway and I'm a sergeant in crime prevention and outreach. And we are venturing into the podcasting as part of our ongoing outreach to connect with the public. And with me today, I have my boss and friend, Lieutenant Brian Gossard. Brian, if you could uh, talk a little bit about why we're doing podcasting. We're already on Twitter. We're already on Nixle. We're on Nextdoor. We update our website. We're on Instagram. This is just another way to give people uh, an idea of what we're doing, what it- and on their own terms, they can exactly. download and listen in their car exactly. or wherever else, so it's a good out- outlet. So today for our inaugural podcast, uh, we are going to have the chief. We invited the chief to be with us today, Chief Patrick Flanley, and also have a special guest, the traffic division, uh, traffic unit, Will Carpenter. And if, if you just take a minute here, if we could talk a little bit about ourselves. Brian, can you tell us uh, where you came from, what your experience is at LPD? Absolutely. I grew up in Clinton County, uh, came to... Uh, Purdue to study at Purdue in 1999. Uh, I started in computer technology and eventually switched to law and society uh, before getting hired with LPD in 2003. And so what, if you could tell us, what makes you keep wanting to come back to work every day? In my current position, I I get to have an opportunity to talk to a lot of of people about what the police department does. Uh, Not only what we're involved in, but, you know, give people tips on how to stay safe, uh, give them an idea of what going, is going on in Lafayette as far as public safety. And would you agree that that a lot of the conferences we've gone to in schools that having a crime prevention division is kind of the new wave of, of law enforcement? I've, I've seen that. Have you, have you also seen that in places you've gone? Absolutely. Most people's experience with law enforcement is very, very limited. So they may get pulled over on a traffic stop or... They may uh, be involved in a crash or have something, some of their property stolen, and they only get to interact with police officers uh, a few minutes out of an entire year. Um, what we do is we make ourselves available as a liaison between the community and the police department just to give more exposure and uh, more information, um, have that kind of personal interaction more often. And so we're going to do that during this podcast. Uh, so we're going to have a monthly podcast. And with us also is Kara Bishop, and she's the voice of reason for our podcast. She Hello, is a, a citizen you. that is going to keep us on track as far as not using 10 codes and signal codes and police jargon. So, Kara, if you could introduce yourself and what sure. you do for the city. Thank you. I'm Kara Bishop. I'm the communications director for the city of Lafayette. And communicating is what I do best. So, yes, I am here to um, learn myself a lot about the Lafayette Police Department, but also make sure that we have a citizens-focused um, conversation and that we all um, understand what's going on. So this is great. I'm really looking forward to being part of it. Thank you. So you will shut us down when we start going off the rails. I, I, will, I will have my timer going, and if anyone okay. gets a little too too winded, I will be sure to give a signal. Okay. How about that? Or if you don't understand something we're talking about, I, we'll interject. Yes, I can do that too. Thank so you. So today for our first podcast, we're lucky to have landed the Chief of Police, Patrick Flannelly. So thanks for joining us today, sir. Thanks for having me. And... Just at the very outset here, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to Lafayette or uh, your experience at the LPD and and how you ended up in your position you are currently. 
Well, I'm a lifelong product. Well, for the most part, I, I moved to Indiana when I was when I was in the third grade. So I've been a product of Tippecanoe County. I graduated from West Lafayette High School in 1986. Went into the Air Force. I spent four years uh, in the military doing a, a tour as a security police officer. So that was kind of neat. I got to travel around the world while I was doing that. But always knew that I was going to come back. And in 1990, came back to Purdue. And I studied uh, law and society at Purdue University. And uh, from there, I did a few things, but wound up getting hired in 1995. It's always been my goal to, to work in law enforcement. So I was very fortunate to get that opportunity. And I've uh, been doing this ever since. So just so the people understand that you are appointed by the mayor to be the chief of police. Correct. So um, you were hired as a police officer, patrol officer, and moved your way up to the chief. The Lafayette Police Department is a merit-based agency. It means we have a, a, civil, a police civil service commission that's made up of civilians that uh, oversee the appointments of, of the ranked and positions inside of the agency and then... Uh, the, just the way it falls in brief, the, the mayor appoints the chief, the deputy chief, uh, captains, lieutenants, sergeants are all merit positions that the mayor board elects. So I've been uh, the chief for the last four years. Prior to that, I served in a role that you guys are serving in, in community outreach. And prior to that, I, I did six years working uh, in, in detectives. Uh, with I was specifically assigned to the drug task force working uh, narcotics. So that helps you have a global sense of the police department with the experience. Right. And then prior to that, even I did uh, was a shift commander in the patrol division, shift sergeant. And uh, you know, probably I think when, as we get to the, the latter stages of our career, we all look back at some of the most enjoyable times uh, working in patrol. And it, it always is on patrol. When I do uh, outreach or um, go to colleges to recruit, people always want to jump in. They want to be a detective right away or some sort of forensic analyst. The best job here is being a patrol officer. Absolutely. So the reason we brought you here today was to talk a little bit about crime numbers, and I'm going to give an acronym here, UCR, and can you explain to us what that means and uh, to everybody what that is? What, what is UCR? So UCR stands for Uniform Crime Reporting. Uh, it's, a, it's a big chunk, but it's a, uh, a system that we use, and we've been using it since uh, the late 20s, 30s, or almost... Uh, 18,000 agencies around the country voluntarily participate in this, where we report crime numbers to the FBI. And we do it in two parts. Part one, what we call the crimes against persons or violent crimes, and then part two, which would be crimes against properties. Uh, So these numbers, are are they a good way to compare different cities uh, across the country? The UCR is a great benchmark, and what we like to talk about all the time is it's numbers are numbers, and it's important for us to have good data to understand uh, where we were last year, where we might be next year. Uh, there's a lot of variables that go into that, though, so that's also important to understand. It's, it's difficult to, even in a community like Lafayette, I, I've been here for the last 22 years as an agency, and we've, when I got hired on, we had 78 officers, and now we have 142 sworn we the size of the city has nearly doubled, and it's we've had four annexations alone in the last ten years. So um, we have to be real careful about about numbers and make sure we maintain context. Uh, it's it's difficult to talk about numbers this year and compare them to numbers ten years ago because the city's not the same as it was. But it, at the same time, 
the numbers are important and it lets us know where we were, uh, maybe uh, gives us an opportunity to, to evaluate some of our programs. So my Twitter feed and the, the news cycle says crime is absolutely everywhere. We're, we're inundated with crime. Um, we're, it's just a matter of time before each one of us is a victim. Can you talk about what the perception is versus what, what the numbers tell us? Yeah. Sometimes we all, I think we all have that feeling sometimes. Uh, and at the police department, we really are kind of, we're, we're fighting multiple battles and, uh, or, or multiple fronts, if you want to call it that way. But we, we have the reality of crime, and then we also have the perception of crime. And both are very important. Uh, you don't really want to discard either one of those. Uh, the numbers really tell us what the reality of crime is. Uh, how people feel is what tell, that, that's where the perception part comes in. And in today's day and age, media is, is uh, digital media and information has really uh, it's, it's changed dramatically in the last 10 years. Just our access to information and where people are, are going to get their news. Uh, and we won't even talk about fake news today, right? <laughs> we're, just, we're just talking about information. It, it comes from us at a, in a, at a lot of different ways. So everyone here at the table has a smartphone. I, um, when I was in your guys' position just just even five, six years ago, it was probably 70, 60 to 70% of the people I would meet with would have a smartphone. About the same would know what Facebook was. And I think if you ask groups that today, it's almost 100%. So uh, when we, we try to take advantage of that, but it can also work against us as well. So we talk about crime numbers. I got a graph in front of me. You can see that from 1990 to 2015, crime, violent crime has gone down significantly. Are there crimes in Lafayette that uh, we still are dealing with as far as violent crimes? And um, can you talk about those a little bit? Well, the good news is, Scott, that violent crime is down 20% in Lafayette in the year 2016. And that's a, that's a pretty significant drop. Uh, most of that we saw with uh, over 75, uh, a reduction in aggravated assaults by 75. Um, that's a good thing. The, I think the one thing that most people focus on is the robbery number and and it, you know, and deservedly so. I mean, that's one that we all are concerned about. Uh, the numbers for this year for robberies up uh, about 10 incidents from uh, just under 100 to just uh, over 100 in uh, 2016. And what are we seeing that's driving these robberies? Well, I think, you know, we're, we're all cops in this. Well, not all of us, but you, know, you guys are cops. So okay, we, so we pretty she's much. A, she's a deputized. I think we made that pretty clear. I'm not a cop, but yeah. Well, for today's purposes, if we the when officers as they as they're out, really after their first few years, they really start to recognize there's some underlying uh, similarities to just about everything that we deal with. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, we used to say that 10 percent of the of the population really drives about 90 percent of our workload. But you know, I think even more recently, we might even say that. Three to four percent of the population drives about ninety percent of our workload, and on, the sad reality is a lot of that revolves around uh, drugs and illegal drugs. And so, we have a we have a, a pretty um, a good understanding that a lot of our robberies are committed by people that are e- either under the influence of alcohol or drugs, uh, are seeking alcohol or drugs, are seeking cash to be able to fund. Uh, addiction issues and so it's uh, uh, drugs I think would be our our one common theme in, in a lot of the things that we're talking about today 
So I have a quick question as far as a citizen. Uh, what, what can we do about this perception? I know you talk a lot about drugs, and we all know drugs is a problem. It, that's no mystery, but what are we doing about it? What can we do to change the perception? I mean, we hear a lot about crime being down, and I see the graph. I've seen the numbers. I, I know that's the case, but drugs is still kind of that theme we keep hearing. So what are, what are we going to do about these drugs? What can we do? That's probably a topic for a whole other podcast about what yes, we can do or, or what we should do. But you know, the simple answer is is, is avoid it. Um, the a little a little ounce of prevention it goes it goes a long way, as, as the saying would say. Uh, that's a little redundant, isn't it? So, so you're saying if, if you are not involved in selling drugs, using drugs, or buying drugs, the chances of you being a victim of a violent crime are pretty small. Almost non. Would you say that? Almost non-existent. But the closer the, the the closer you get to that the center of that activity, the risk to you as a person increase exponentially. So if you, if and, and it's not maybe it might not, it might not even be that you choose to be associated with this. I mean I think a, a good example right now is that we're I think we're all very familiar with the the ravages of opiate addiction and some of the issues that we're having around the nation. Uh, oftentimes. If you have someone that's that's close to you that has an addiction of, of, in that nature, what we've seen is things get stolen from the house, medications get stolen, uh, direct family members really start to see uh, the effects of this pretty quickly. So you know there there is a lot of innocent victims in these types of cases as well, um, and typically people don't. I, I don't. I, I don't think anyone really has the intention of of waking up one day and saying, I'm going to commit a robbery. But as we get a little bit more uh, desperate, uh, whether we be under the influence or not, if we need the, the cash or the resources to go out and, and, and get the drugs that we want, then we're going, to, we're going to victimize those that are closest to us first, and then we move outward. And that's, and that's what we see. And most of our police officers, I think, uh, see that on a, on a consistent basis. So from the police department standpoint, what specific steps are we putting in place to, to make a dent? Well, understanding what, these, what, the, what the problems are, I mean, we've dedicated a significant amount of resources to combat this, really at all levels. Uh, we've, we've added uh, detectives to our drug task force. We're increasing the number of personnel at our street crimes unit, and we have you guys sitting right here. In our, in our crime prevention efforts. And some, some people might feel like, well, how does that help us solve, solve the drug problem? Well, awareness, I think, is, is probably the biggest thing that we can do. to, to The one that's going to make the biggest difference in our community is, is to make sure that we all understand what is occurring, why it's occurring, and how each of us, not only not just in the police department, but what each of us as individual citizens can do to drive these risk factors down. Is there any other um, steps that uh, we can take in crime prevention that you think, doing these, these talks and going out and relating to people? Well, I think, you know, th- those are the questions that you guys hear most frequently, right, is uh, what can we do? Uh, what are some of the things that, uh, that we can, you know, what can one citizen do to help drive the drug problem down? And, and really what I say is participate. You know, we're, we're in the information business, and... The better information we have, uh, the more likely we're going to be able to intervene at a sooner time, if that makes sense. If, uh, you know, and I use the, the analogy of the ladder analogy all the time. If, if, 
and, and a lot of times, you know, and we'll talk about uh, some of these things as, as, as we go on throughout the year in the, in the podcast in more detail. But we're really, at, at, at the end of the day, we're in the information business. If, if you give us good information, we're not starting at the bottom rung on a ladder. We're starting at the middle rung. We can solve a crime quicker, and then that allows us, hopefully, to reduce the number of future victims that we have, but also to reinvest that time we've saved into, into the specific problems that people are identifying in their neighborhoods. So you've spread a lot of knowledge just now. Thank you for coming in. Uh, do you have a minute to stick around for um, while we talk to our next guest? I do, and I think maybe just in closing, the one thing I want everyone to understand is that uh, we we understand that there is crime in Lafayette, and and sometimes uh, we hear people say, "Oh, you're trying to, um, you're not reporting all the crime, or the robberies are up. There's there's danger lurking around every corner." The reality is is that we live in a very safe community, and if you're not dealing drugs, using drugs, or hanging around with people that are using dealing drugs, the chances of you being the victim of a violent crime are very small. Now, with that being said, you know, our measure, we talked about uh, data earlier. A cr- violent crimes is down 20%. Our property crimes are down 10%. Those, those are all great things, but those are just numbers. What we're really trying to do is make people feel safe going about their daily business. And if, if you don't feel comfortable sending your your wife to the grocery store at 10 o'clock at night or your son taking the dog for a walk around the block, then, then we have work to do. And those are all the things that we want to make sure that, that we're addressing. And that's, and that's where the, the perception issue comes in. And so that's what our efforts here, these podcasts and other things that we can really educate people on what's happening specifically, uh, not just in the city, but really down, down to your block. Utilizing uh, efforts like Nextdoor, uh, nextdoor.com or even a crimereports.com where people can get in and see our data in real time. And they can look and see what's happening in their neighborhoods. They can share that with their neighbors on Nextdoor and they know what to look for. And in turn, they can share that information back to us at the police department and we can make more informed decisions about what people are seeing in their neighborhoods and we can be more tactical and precise about how we deploy our resources. So it's all, uh, it's all important. Great segue because our next guest is Sergeant Will Carpenter of the traffic unit. And you said seen in the neighborhood. So, Will, have you ever seen a flying car in your neighborhood? I have never seen a flying car in our neighborhood. And uh, so the, the main questions we get at, at outreach meetings are what about flying cars or wanting speed bumps or humps in their neighborhoods. So we've asked you here today to talk a little bit about those things, those concerns that we see on, a, on almost a daily basis when we do outreach. But before that, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and the uh, unit that you run. Sure. I've been at the Lafayette Police Department for 17 years, or excuse me, I've been at Lafayette Police Department for 13 and a half years. I've been an officer for about 17 years prior to Lafayette. I was a patrolman with the Rensselaer Police Department. I'm from uh, northern Newton County. Let's not talk about where you're from. Northern Newton County. (laughs) And uh, I went to Indiana State University and got a degree in criminology. So you missed uh, going to Purdue, right? I did not go to Purdue. Actually, I couldn't. You missed probably, going. You missed I, I, I couldn't have Purdue. pointed Purdue out on a map when I was. Uh, <laughs> that's because you're from no, North Newton. No. That, that's <laughs> yeah. uh, so. Tell us a little bit about the crime unit, or the uh, I'm sorry, the um, traffic unit. What is? What do you guys do? What's it made of? We have four officers and one investigator. Uh, we are a unit within the patrol division. We are pretty narrowly focused on uh, crash investigations and traffic enforcement. 
and like Brian and I were, were talking about earlier, we hear at meetings, neighborhood meetings, that there's vehicles that are speeding. That's the number one complaint we get, parking problems, issues like that. So what do you guys do in the traffic unit to address those issues? Because we have to address them. Really, it just depends on what the type of complaint is and, and um, how specific or how in general those uh, complaints are and, and what kind of information they give. You know, the, the chief just said that uh, we're in the information business and, and the better information we have, then the better we can intervene. And really, it's, it's no different for our unit than it is for uh, the other patrol units. And we talk about perception. Uh, from your perspective, you get a lot of complaints about speeding vehicles in neighborhoods. Uh, where does that perception come from? Well, the, the perception comes from, uh, well, first of all, the complaints are always going to happen. They're, they're in every neighborhood, and they've been for uh, ever since the, the very first car rolled off the line. Uh, the guy drives it home, and the neighbors complained because he was going too fast. Uh, his uh, next-door neighbor saw the car and really liked it, probably went out and bought one the next day, and then they crashed into each other. And so now they, we have the traffic unit. <laughs> and so and, and since that day, there's been... Uh, complaints about traffic within neighborhoods and those uh, they're all pretty uh, uh, much the same and that the cars are flying up and down our streets and we need uh, speed humps before someone gets killed and people derive that perception from just walking down the sidewalk seeing a car thinking that it's going too fast right and and we're all i think uh i live in lafayette i live in a neighborhood in lafayette I, I am a citizen and i am guilty of the same thing i see uh one car speeding up and down the street and i now attribute that to all traffic that is in the neighborhood i see one vehicle run a stop sign and i attribute that to all uh vehicles within that uh, particular area but really um much like what uh, the chief talked about with crime numbers, we also deal with that perception issue. And what we find is uh, it, it's, the problem is much less than that, that perception. So we uh, try to address uh, whatever the, the, we find that it's pockets of time or pockets of people that are really causing the problems. And we try to address those uh, specifically and not, not necessarily in general terms. Something that I've noticed is that some of the same people that are making complaints will then turn around and do the same thing that they're complaining about whether it be speeding or texting, have you noticed uh, any of that in your investigations, your crash investigations? So when we look at these neighborhood complaints we and we go into the neighborhoods and we start to evaluate uh, who is doing it and what's, what's going on, we find that within your typical residential neighborhood, it's going to be the residents of that neighborhood that are... Uh, the offenders. And so, yes, we have neighborhoods that are passed through, but for the most part, like my neighborhood, it's the residents. It's, it's your neighbor. It's the people who live down the block or, or what have you. So uh, those are the people that are driving the problems within, within those neighborhoods. So one minute they're complaining, and the next minute they might be actually doing the violation themselves if they're late for work or need to send a text off real quick. Late for work, late for Little League, late for whatever it is. That so it takes them, everybody. It's, it's, it's those people that are uh, causing those issues. And, they're, and, they're, and, and we don't mean to minimize those types of issues, and we don't mean to minimize them by saying that they're flying cars and, 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 and make those types of uh, jokes about it. But really... That's what it is. People say that there's problems and that uh, it's going to take someone getting killed before we do something. We are in those neighborhoods and we are doing something about it. You may not always see it, but what we're trying to do is address then uh, specific issues. So how do you, how do you 
reckon, or how do you find out if there's actually a problem? So there's a couple of different ways that we can do that. Uh, typically, we, we, we have an instrument that we can deploy into a neighborhood. We work with the city's engineering department to get data about vehicles and vehicle speeds and vehicle counts. We will send an officer or officers into the neighborhood to um, evaluate and monitor. So... Uh, there's different ways that we can uh, get that information. And then with that information, then we can make an appropriate response. Uh, the chief mentioned about crime, we're data-driven, we're information-driven. So we don't just want to take a complaint that's very general that says cars are flying up and down our streets and it happens all time of the day. Well, normally, like I said, we find that it's pockets of people and pockets of time. So we try to drill down and get specific. We don't want to work in hours we want to work in minutes what are when can we have the biggest impact so maybe we find that it's a 15 20 30 minute window where there's people running stop signs people that are speeding and then we can put people in those neighborhoods to address them during that time when you notice those things what happens when you do a traffic stop tell us go through a traffic stop maybe or yeah my question was so who's getting these tickets how do you make that determination and then everybody you... gets tickets <laughs> no. hey, I've only, I've only right. had one warning in my whole life so i'm, I'm yeah, pretty right. proud of that no it's it's very true um and then the other thing um i hear a lot about is that quota myth now is there tell us the truth there is no quota. There's no oh. such thing as a quota. There's never been a quota. I've been a police officer for 17 years. I've never seen a quota. Um, they actually, in some ways, they're illegal. You cannot do them. So we do not have a quota. Uh, we are trained to use discretion. And so we, we, we train officers to take the totality of the circumstance and do what's best to modify that particular situation, to modify that driver's behavior. If it can be done in a warning, Great. If it can be done with our presence without traffic stops, great. Sometimes it requires a ticket. Which I'd like to maybe just provide right. a little bit of anecdote here. One of the things that we do uh, at the Lafayette Police Department is we have our Police Citizens Academy where we bring in members of the community to participate. And we teach them about what we're doing in the police department. And we, get them, we give them an opportunity to really participate at a level that um, most people don't ever get the opportunity to do. And as I remember in my days as a young police officer when I would have riders that would come out with me from the Citizens Police Academy, we, I used to play a little game called Ticket or No Ticket. So we would observe an infraction, I would make the traffic stop, and then I would come back and I would report to my rider what the circumstances were in that case, and then I would leave it up to the rider. Ticket or No Ticket? So what was the result of your experiment? That was a, a, the, a, the pause for effect there. <laughs> that was very dramatic. <laughs> Oftentimes what, what, I, what I observed was the riders were more inclined to give a ticket than I was as a police officer. Um, it, this, may, it, this may seem a little counterintuitive, but when you're a field training officer and when you're training young officers – it's actually something that you need to train into the police officer is the, uh, I guess, the, the knowing when to write tickets and when not and actually get them to write tickets. Uh, and, and you guys can you know, chime in with your own observations. But most police officers don't like to write tickets. Um, we do it for one reason and one reason only, and that's what uh, Sergeant Carpenter was talking about. We want to modify behavior. We're looking to, to do what we need to do in that moment to reduce the risk of injury and the likelihood of, of a crash that's going to cause 
property damage. And uh, of all the things that we do in law enforcement, the one thing that, that we can say that, we, that has a statistical impact on what we do is the more tickets that are written, the less crashes that occur. Doesn't mean we, we like to write tickets, but it, when we do write tickets, that's ultimately what we're trying to do. And so I, I, think, it's, I think it's interesting to note that, that, that our riders are more, in, are, we're more inclined to write tickets than even our own police officers. Yeah, because it's an automatic uh, confrontation potentially, and then there's compassion that goes along with that. So police would understand that probably more than the Citizens Academy rider. And, and what, what and, and so like the chief touched on, we have to train those officers. And what it comes down to is every officer has their own enforcement thresholds. And so um, those citizens who uh, maybe not taking the totality of those circumstances in, where we train those officers to look at the whole aspect and see uh, what, what is going on with that particular situation. And, and then they develop their own uh, enforcement thresholds. Well, this has been uh, incredible information. We're having the chief on our first podcast and Sergeant Will Carpenter, which everybody is, has concerns about traffic in their neighborhood. So I appreciate you both being on today. Brian, what do we have going on in crime prevention? Yeah, we have a lot going on this month. We have our Citizens Academy for the spring of 2017 uh, getting ready to start. We also have a hiring process. Um, so we're always looking for qualified candidates to bring on board uh, to serve as police officers. So if you know of anybody... Uh, that is interested in uh, working with us, then uh, please go to our website. And if you have any questions about this podcast or uh, law enforcement in general in Lafayette, Indiana, you can go to podcast at lafayette.in.gov to submit your questions, and we'll pick through a few and uh, discuss them at our next podcast. Thanks for listening to this edition of Inside the Squad. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next podcast. Inside the Squad is supported by the Lafayette Police Foundation. To discover how you can help support LPD, visit www.lafayettepolicefoundation.com. Lafayette Police Foundation.